I'm Scott Blakeman getting through this in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm Tom Saunders in Los Angeles, California. And with your kind permission, I'd like to share with you and our podcast audience a plus positive bright side fact that I recently realized we're so fortunate that humans aren't magnetic. Yes, there are many sources of anxiety in our yikes-ridden times, but one thing need not trouble us. No enormous flesh magnet can be lowered from, say, a helicopter or a large drone to magnetize random innocent people and make them rise up ridiculously and wind up as helpless as metal shavings on the edge of a regular magnet and waving our arms and legs pointlessly. Then, then I realized that the Earth really has its own powerful attracting force, but unlike magnetism, it works on everything, including humans. Yes, gravity really is a flesh magnet. Well, Tommy, it's good to know there's a good kind of flesh magnet in the <laughs> gravity, and we could all be relieved and relaxed. Uh, I, I could use a little uh, relaxation. Of course, I'm in the middle of my uh, packing for my move on Friday. And, you know, Tommy, packing up my childhood home continues yeah. to provide welcome uh, discoveries, uh, like a program from a show I did at the Harvard Club in 1997, which mentioned the years the other two comedians graduated from Harvard and then said, in quotes, Scott Blakeman did not go to Harvard, unquote. LOL, Scotty. When I first read that, I LOL'd in my pants, <clears throat> meaning I was wearing pants when I laughed out loud. So it was no big deal. But and I did that because, Scotty, it's hilarious that the Harvard Club did not realize it was laugh out loud comical to indicate where you didn't go to college. Yeah. The fact that it clearly didn't matter where you did go unless it was Harvard, surely that alone must warp Harvard graduates' views of themselves and our world. But the good news, Tommy, despite my clearly inferior pedigree, we each got paid the same $200. And I've found other things too, Tommy, a Time Out magazine listing from 1999 listing me as a veteran comedian, which... This is 21 years ago I was a veteran comedian, apparently, which I qualified for despite my lack of service in the armed forces, and, uh, <laughs> which is an iceberg. And finally, I saw a November 28th, 1988 issue of New York Magazine, which was saved for some inexplicable reason, since I couldn't find my name in it. Uh, 1988, doesn't it still seem fairly recent, even though it was, mm. in fact, 32 years ago? Yeah. And I was hoping to find a John Simon review, and I did, and true to form, the theater critic ripped apart Neil Simon's new farce at the time, Rumors. Simon said the first act was, quote, intermittently amusing, and the second act, from hunger. <laughs> Ooh, John Simon. Scotty, after 32 years, he still makes my brain boil. Simon was excessively snarky before snarky was even a word. New York Magazine gave him a whole page to lacerate the shows off which his, uh, with his usually obscure vocabulary of hatred. The theater critic who hates the theater was already a cliche when he came around, but Simon was simply certain he was right and everyone else was stupid. In reality, however, he was part of a herd of proudly disgruntled, self-anointed sophisticates who assumed that the more theater you hate, the better critic you are. Harvard loses points 
every time he sent us New York readers to the dictionary, Simon I'm speaking of, every time John Simon used to send us to the dictionary to look up the archaic and obscure words he peppered his reviews with. And then he dared, Scotty, dared, and you, you just said it. Yeah. You just proved it. He dared to use a cliche that was worn out decades before he lazily inserted the words from hunger into what is supposed to be a serious act of criticism of, of Neil Simon, the great playwright. And play, yes. tell us, why would this cliche ever exist in the first place from hunger? I would, I, would, I would haul any cliche writer into cliche court and demand to know in plain <laughs> English, how can the words from hunger ever mean a, a theatrical performance is bad? Yes, and I, I actually, you know, I have the, the uh, review looking at it, and literally, as you've said, Tommy, he would spend many reviews just talking about himself and other reviewers, and he spent literally the whole review saying that he thinks there were maybe 12 funny jokes in the whole play, and he's not going to cite those jokes because other reviewers might cite different jokes, and then they would be commenting on why he had the poor take. Literally, it was paragraphs and paragraphs about he and his colleagues and then talking about other farce. And it was really just like, look at me, I'm showing off. Uh, but I have to say something about the expression from hunger. Of course, I pointed it out because he was, uh, very, and actually he did have a, typically, the one thing John Simon was known for, picking out women with small, small parts, I mean, small roles and attacking their physicality. And he singled out Lisa Baines, who actually is an excellent actress and said, the, she has very little talent, you know, but the word from hunger, the expression, I do remember <laughs> my mom saying that it is almost maybe from like a Yiddish Jewish thing. And the way my mom would say it was funny. It was sort of like we did that and it was from hunger. And, uh, you know, and it was she wasn't reviewing. Well, when your mom says it, it's different from when John Simon prints it in the pages. Of yeah, the magazine. And he did it to be the meanest possible way. My mom was it was funny. Right. And again, your mom you, might have also said, did you wash your hands already? Well, she uh, would have said that first. She might yeah. have said that. But, but if John Simon had written it, it would seem malevolent. That's true. Right? Yeah. Uh, he, right. uh, and and I wonder where that expression, as you said, came from. I from mean, hunger, something is yeah. bad. So it's from hunger. Uh, Maybe you know, the, the it somebody was, was starving and people yeah. who were hungry would yeah. do whatever it took to get food. And so that that maybe it was uh, some it's deriding it as being desperation uh, yeah. or maybe if you're hungry you can't write as good a play that's that's what i think yeah that's yeah. the other thing you, you gotta you gotta have some something in your stomach you know yeah otherwise a, yeah, yeah something uh, hopefully not just carbs but also a balanced <laughs> kind of nutritional yeah no no i think a that's salad too yeah because no, you got to have good characterization and plot and everything and if you're starving, you're gonna just go. Let me. me First, there are very few three act plays that are from hunger because you're starving. You can't go three acts. They're usually more no, than one act. No, That's never. I would never, yeah. never go three acts if you're hungry. Uh, but <laughs> the other thing I think also it shows how what an old fashioned expression is. It, it is. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you're hungry. You shouldn't be. Yeah, go away. You you, you can't do this job if you're hungry. No. Now we would say if the, it's strictly from poor nutritional supplements something like yeah. that it's uh, yeah. uh, or or, or it's it comes from poor nutrition maybe i think maybe that's a better expression better yeah people. and i think it's would be mandated plus the fact it wouldn't be considered a negative now now it would it not be considered the a negative act, yeah the second act showed signs of poor nutrition and one would hope <laughs> that in the future those could be remedied 
right. in a positive way. So you'd be rooting for it to be better. You wouldn't go, I hope more people starve. So that's <laughs> where we've come a long way since 1988, Tommy. 30, yes. But isn't that incredible? 32 years. It is incredible. And it is, it is interesting to, to think about how much things have changed. For one thing, people read magazines still back then. Oh, very much so. It was a hefty, hefty one. Uh, thick magazine, New York magazine, many, many ads, great restaurants that are no longer uh, with us. And the 80s were not a great style, uh, font-wide, design-wise. It was kind of not that attractive. But it Yeah, was, you're right. As far as, as, far as fonts, and uh, yeah. you think of the, the 60s, which oh, love exploded it. with psychedelic fonts in the, in the latter de- years. And the 70s sort of reenacted a lot of 1930s fonts. Yeah. Um, 80s was very kind of, yeah, no, kind of boring with with that, and and but there was just tons and tons. Yeah, so the 80s was was a time of, and Scotty, people don't really talk about this fact, but you kind of unwrapped something about that decade, the 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 decade, the lost decade of forgettable fonts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it sounds like a ballad, the 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 ode to forgettable uh, font. Yes, well. Uh, and we love, of course, the 60s. We made it through the decade. We didn't know yeah. in those days that we had lousy fonts. We just no, no, no. We 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 didn't know we had poor fonts. We didn't know there yeah. was any you know, difference. But I love the Futurists and the Franklin Gothics from the sixties <laughs> and fifties, and you know, and they're coming. They've been coming back. Uh, yeah. But so many things are going. Here's something very striking, Tommy. I think no yes. one again. This isn't patting ourselves on the back when we say we're the only ones doing it. We're saying, hey, others. Maybe some of you should do a little bit of it. That's all we're saying. But we don't, oh, we're fine if you don't, because we're going to do it. But here's a rev- talk about uh, a revelation. Now, New York Magazine, as it does today, has an extensive restaurant section, right? But yes. I remember this, and I just confirmed it now. It was pages and pages of every restaurant in Manhattan. And literally, it came to Brooklyn, and there were four. <laughs> and it's... Uh, uh, juniors, which is still there, right? Office, right, uh, casual establishment down to Brooklyn. Uh, Michael's, which oh, Michael's, well, yeah, that's my that was my dad's favorite restaurant where we had his 100th birthday party. So it's great that that was there. whereabouts I'm, in Brooklyn was that's Michael's Avenue R off of Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn. It's a giant, that, I mean, just for us out of towners, is that uh. W- w- would you say that's near where you are now or more near uh, downtown not far, Brooklyn? But, or where yeah, about that? 10 minutes and, and uh, very old Brooklyn. Uh, uh-huh. You would love it, Tommy. Big, big restaurant. My dad loved big restaurants, which you don't have in the trendier parts of Brooklyn because you can't afford that. But a giant restaurant, big parking giant. lot. Scotty. And, and, and very, you know, deferential waiters and they all knew you and a wonderful place. Was Junior's, what was the restaurant that was the largest restaurant in the world? I ate there. In Brooklyn. Oh, that was Lundy's, which Lundy. is even closer. That's a five-minute, ten-minute walk from my where I live now. It was the world's largest restaurant. They <laughs> broke it up into several, and it's still gigantic. The building it was a family exists. problem. They, they yeah, they, it's shootings some, and things. Yeah, and, they, they um, family broke up or something. But it used. I remember these. T- uh, it, all the tables would have extra special things, little pickles and such things that you just can nosh on while you're waiting. Oh, yeah. to order. Biscuits. They're very known to be Bis- famous. Oh, biscuits. biscuits. Yeah. And it that was, was inc- Lundy's. And that was, a, that, oh. can you imagine going, that was a, a selling point. The largest restaurant in the world. Is this good? Who cares? It's the largest restaurant in the world. <laughs> well, and I remember it was. distinctly. I it was great. I yeah, it, was and it was two great. levels. Gigantic, and you, only, yeah. we went usually for graduations and big occasions. And I remember a story. Now, all the waiters also, this is a throwback, were all 
uh, black uh, and wearing like kind of very dressy kind of thing. But, all, but I remember once I left, I would always get a chopstick and always those biscuits. And, and I remember once I left my food over and being a little nervous, I said to my dad, I live, oh, they're going to say anything. My dad said, they don't care as long as you pay. They don't care. And literally the waiter came by and said, what's the matter, young man? You're not feeling well? There's no reason to have the anger. So it stayed with me. So to this day, as an adult, uh, as a, dad. A, a art member, I still worry <laughs> that I'll be judged if I leave food over. So That's I never right. do. So. You know, you've gone out to many times. Have I ever left anything over? Never, never, plate? never, Scotty. Never. never. I, I, I've never known you to leave a, a, a crumb on a plate. Nothing. Scotty, let's dr drill down on that moment because, um, I, and I, again, I do feel a little Sigmund Freudish right, right now. Um, the, um, uh, you, you said that your father, here, here's what I love about this anecdote. Uh, first of all, it starts out in the largest restaurant in the world, which is yeah. no longer. I mean, you could start a book out that way. I'd read the book. Yeah. I, I, it was Lundy's, the largest restaurant yeah. in the, in the yeah. world. I mean, just the idea of that being a thing. Yeah. You know, like you got, you want to go to the, the, the biggest restaurant. Obviously, it's the most popular, so it would have the best food. You know, yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot and it was good. It was definitely good. But uh, they talk more about the, the size of it, but it was good. Uh, the yeah. <laughs> they always talk about the size of it. But it, I, yeah, I thought it was good. And, and and then you go, and plus it was just an event going there. I just yeah. loved it. And and then, uh, but what you said is that you couldn't finish your 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 dinner, uh, right? And I think you described chopped steak. I think, I feel I would have gotten that. I'm sure it was a giant portion as giant they all portion. were. No, Brooklyn. they were. They were huge portions. Yeah. That was the other thing. So. Yeah. Uh, so you had the steps and you and you sheepishly were unable to finish it. You feel full. You were how old were you? You were uh, yeah, probably 12, maybe 12. I figured you were 12. All right. So so you um, so you said, I'm kind of full. Um, wh uh, what do I do to your dad? Something like that. And your dad said, oh, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, this is the interesting part. Right. Yeah. You look up to your dad and you say, what do I do, dad? I've got extra food on this plate and I, my stomach, I'm full. Uh, uh, and, and his response was was very reassuring. Yeah. I, uh, he said, and I, tell me if I got this right. He said, I, I wouldn't worry about it. As long as you pay, they're happy with you. Yeah, and it was two, very reassuring. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, uh, you know, because normally I did finish. And I have to say, um, my sister would generally got a different response and maybe because he had different eating habits, but I do remember him saying to her, Oh, your eyes are always bigger than your stomach. So I have to say, uh, she probably might've gotten a different response. Yeah. Uh, she I, got, I, she got sort of criticized for her eyes being too large. Uh, yeah. And you, I mean, that would be difficult if your eyes were bigger than your stomach. <laughs> I mean, be, unless you had a very small stomach, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> If you had a tiny stomach and then slightly larger eyes, yeah, that's it wouldn't right. be not, a noticeable Nobody says your, your stomach is smaller than your eyes. Nobody says that. But it's no. essentially the same the, the same uh, objection. Yeah, it could, your that's stomach are smaller than your eyes. I think that's what they do now, that uh, procedure that people get to lose weight. I think your stomach becomes the size smaller of your eyes. Smaller than your eyes. Yeah, I, that's kind of a graphic thought. But so no, I don't know for But sure. it's, it's, it's yeah. fair. It's it's. You know, I mean, I think it's it's a graphic thought, but I don't think it's out of the bounds of, of this no, podcast. Of, uh, and good manners. And, 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 and good polite taste. company. But, uh, but, yeah, but, but, but you're I right, say Tommy, this, though. Scotty. So, yeah. okay, this, this anecdote is exploding with, with relevance and, and uh, significance. 
uh, uh, okay, uh, let's deal with your sister in a second. And the <laughs> stomach is bigger than your eyes uh, or smaller than your eyes, um, which is a different, you know, it shows a different attitude. Like people who believe in uh, that um, women's roles are, um, are uh, inflicted on them through verbal cues might point to that and say, well, Scotty, you were reassured. Don't worry. Don't worry about, you know, no, no problem with your stomach being uh, uh, smaller than your eyes, Scotty. Right. And at the same time, my dad said, and you should go on to science. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was all included, you know, it was a, it was a package thing. Uh, I will say, obviously, my, uh, to uh, speak oh my of my God. father, I think he was being very uh, soothing to me. And with my sister, too, I think. He certainly was, but maybe she, I, cause I generally did finish, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that is that, well, uh, this, this is telling us so yeah. much. Well, tell, tell about, us about the about time, it's a time capsule. America at that time, yeah. really. Yes. Yes. It, it was uh, another time in America where we had huge restaurants in Brooklyn. Oh, tremendous. Uh, and, yeah. And, 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 and no one cared about calories and, you know, you just ate and ate and, and right. huge two levels and, uh, no, and they still have a few of these. And my dad would always say, you know, like I said, these, um, yeah, old restaurants, large restaurants. By the way, so there were four restaurants in Brooklyn and yeah. Queens now, for those who may not know, is bustling, a story along the city. Many, many great three restaurants. And I think Ralph's Italian restaurant. Villa you, mean, was, you mean in the in the days of, of 1988? 1988, they only were uh, three, three, three restaurants was, in Queens. Yeah, one was Waters Edge. They only listed three restaurants. They only reviewed three restaurants. Right. There used to be one uh, that I always liked that I did go to, and now I'm blanking on it, which was worth putting in. But the fact that Brooklyn, which is now the streets that have just so many, four. So it was very Manhattan-centric and not so interesting Mm -hmm. font-wise. By the way, may I recommend a restaurant, an old-time Queens restaurant to our listeners who may be in the New York area, Parkside. uh, Oh, yes. What a great restaurant. Yeah, that, that is yeah. fabulous food. Amazing service. Tons of, of talk about stuff that they put on your table. It's like Spago's oh, used to be where that. Yeah. In, in, in Hollywood, Spago's started the whole thing of the of the crazy breads that they stick on your table Uh-oh. that are just amazingly delicious. And you have no talk about having no room for the actual dinner. Yeah. If you could just cut out before. You'd make out pretty well, you know. Pretty like, darn oh, well. I <laughs> just say, oops, I yeah. got to go. Yeah, I got a doctor. Go. I got paged, you know, something. <laughs> and then, uh, and then and you, you had a then, delicious bread meal at Spago's. Yeah. It, it was uh, great. And um, actually, Michael's, the one we alluded to earlier in Avenue, our and is still there, also has this incredible array of breads and cheeses and olives gratis before the meal comes. Oh, my gosh. And uh, same thing with Parkside. Uh, and when I mentioned Spago's, just so that people aren't confused, this is the famous Hollywood restaurant that moved to yes. Beverly Hills in, in a much bigger and, and much more boring uh, building uh, that, than they used to have. Sorry, I wanted to put that oh, no, it's put that judgment in there because uh, sometimes I think the human brain uh, can never really miss an opportunity to say something snarky about a famous restaurant that you know, I, I think for humans, it's very difficult to go to a famous restaurant and not afterwards say something snarky about it. And then tell me, just this occurred to me, too. You know, we uh, want to we want our view, our listeners to escape and to be distracted from our times as, as we do. 
Uh, and we aren't, don't do that consciously, but just the fact that we're reveling in talk of large restaurants, huge indoor emporiums of food uh, in this, these, during these times, I think is very refreshing and comforting and sending us back. And yes, you're right, Scott. You're absolutely we've had right. Many restaurants, we may not be in a hurry to go back at the moment to indoor, even though outdoor I, I frequent. But uh, they no, no, no. You're right, Scotty. And that, yeah. let's not lose sight of what we're doing right here. We're yeah. taking us back to another era, a time, 1988. And actually, I, I remember going back to um, Lundy's back in the 1970s wow. and uh, with my girlfriend and her parents and they who had grown up, all of whom had come from Brooklyn. And they they had the same sort of you know they had the the, the understanding of the history uh, of the place and, the, and you, you just I mean that was a really special experience that no longer can be had. Yeah, I mean the building. Uh, I, I, I wonder. Is there, but, yeah. I wonder should I become part of the Smithsonian Museum uh, as a human <laughs> person who's been to Lundy's? Like you go up, like you you know you go through you know and you'd see all the different you know the old muskets and the old timey things the plane and the ford trimotor that yeah. that uh, you know was flown across the uh by Lindbergh across the ocean and then and then there Art i would back. be there yeah. i'd sit at a desk yeah. or something like that yeah yeah and you'd say come up to me and say i can tell you what it was like to eat at lundy's in 1977 <laughs> well that would i think there'd be a sign you know you actually would say come up hi i'm tom come up to me if you'd like to know what it was like dining at lundy's Right. Like, Obviously, there'd be, have to be a sign. And yeah. so I'd be on the brochure you'd see in the map of the Smithsonian. And I oh, wonder, uh, is that I mean, um, uh, you know, it's the type of thing where it sounds like it's the dream job, you know, yeah. where you'd like, oh, this is perfect. I'll just sit back and people come up to me and I'll tell them my story. And then you start then you start to realize you're telling the same story over and over. Like, <laughs> well, also, what about the days when people don't come up to you and don't even want to hear the story. It sounds like a, a Twilight Zone, too. Like, if oh, the best job in the world, I had the best time, I had the best dinner, I would spend the rest of my life telling the world how good this dinner was. And then he's sitting there and he is, and how is dinner? And then the people walk by and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought this was the best. And then, and then the, the authorities say, yes, but you signed a contract. You're staying here for 15 more years. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I never signed anything. Yeah, that would be the thing. and, and cause That would be a beginning. twilight. But would it really be a twilight zone? Because there's nothing really extra, you know, like there's no deal with the devil and no well, know, unless Martian said, made this possible. If only I could, I would give up everything. If only I could just have a job where I talked about how much I love Lundy, something like that. That one time like, I went there. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what troubles me is that yeah. if I... If I get this job, and again, it's the dream job, and I assume you get full benefits and pay and all that stuff. Yeah. And I I'm guessing you can't have a tip jar at Oh, no, no, no. The Smithsonian doesn't allow that. But you'll be paid well, as you said. And you get be, yeah, exactly. I'd be paid yeah. well. I wouldn't need a tip jar. No, no, they don't and do I, that. And also, too. I find them tacky. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, yeah. you know. So, uh, all right. So I'm there, and I've got some sort of kind of grand kind of desk, or, or maybe I'm I'm up, you know, kind of like a like a store Santa and I've got on a kind of a throne <laughs> and you can come up to me. Not sit, obviously you wouldn't sit on my lap. Uh, yeah. But, you know, well, you, you would have a backdrop of Lundy's you'd <laughs> yeah, be right. sitting in front of. And, and so <laughs> and they recreate a table. The biscuits, That's what they you know. do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Scotty, 
Of course, that's what they do. So they recreate a Lundy's ta- an actual table. So I'm yeah. sitting with the actual ta- stair. And they've got the, the stuff and there's a Lundy's waiter and, and uh, perfect. And so it's almost like a tableau, only it's a live tableau where I can say, yes, this is good. This is just like that time I was in 1977. Tell my story. <laughs> Again, though, I have that thing where sounds great, sounds wonderful, terrific, but I'm telling the same anecdote over and over and over, possibly thousands of times, or as you say, even worse, what happens when people just aren't interested and they just want to see, you know, Lindbergh's plane or the <laughs> Apollo 13. Yeah, well, that's the fascinating time because again, on the surface in the beginning, you maybe here could be the answer. How about they should have rotating you know, residencies. So you just do it for a week and then you bring uh, in somebody else who talks about juniors or, or Spago or something else. Yeah. So a week you could handle it. And yeah, yeah you're it. right. You're on. right. Yeah. You're right, Scotty. I could do this for a week. I could do it for a week. Yeah. yeah. That, so, so it's basically on a rotating basis. And also yeah. you have rotating restaurants that are no longer. Yes, that's right. They all should be no longer with us, the restaurant. Yeah. And so uh, people could and, and like, should be uh, notable, history. obviously, yeah. you know, yeah, g- no. g- great, you know, yeah. Uh, Delmonico's, for example, oh. the famous steak uh, joint and, and so many places. And that would be a great way. Like they do have these oral histories where people t- talk of an era and you would be ta- Tommy, this is again, we. I wouldn't say stumbled. We never stumbled, but we strode purposefully into an incredible <laughs> idea of keeping the memory of restaurants alive yeah. by having oral histories and set in the backdrop of the restaurant. And right. Recreating the restaurants. You know, the a rotating... house now is going down. Uh, well, so. I have to clarify. I know it was brought to my attention. I hear it. they may be in foreclosure, but there may be a chance that they, I think, can survive, but I, I don't Chicago's know. Chicago's famed uh, Palmer House. Uh, yeah. Named after Berta Palmer, uh, the doyen of Chicago society in the 1880s. Oh. Uh, a fascinating story, Scotty. I hope we will be able to delve into that in future podcasts. Yes. Uh, well, I love the grand hotels and there's still uh, others left. I stayed in Chicago on one of my last trips uh, to um, the former site of the jazz. Uh, the uh, what was the, the great jazz club near Mr. Kelly's? Um, uh, blanking on it now, but it was the site of that, and it's a hotel on Michigan Avenue. And um, uh, so there's so many great grand. Well, the Conrad well, Hilton site of the 1968 Democratic Convention, and all the uh, tear gas and all that. So uh, it's modern. wow. Uh, so Scotty, wait a second. Yeah. So we we jumped. Yes. Let's see if I can can uh, I mean this is so dizzying we've we've gone from uh, going back in time to 1988 uh, New York Magazine and John Simon and how much we don't like I, I, I truly don't like it. and now we're talking about the largest hotel in the world was Conrad Hill the Conrad oh Hill I didn't realize Conrad. it was the largest wow so we, we go from about... the largest yeah. restaurant it's got to yes we you know people probably think we spend weeks working out the theme the themes of this show but thematically this is startlingly complete amazingly perfect because and we didn't figure this out we went from the largest restaurant back in the in, uh, uh, in the day to the largest hotel in the world that was the conrad hilton which of which you speak well magically yeah. you brought us there now that was another thing where you go wow I want to stay at the largest hotel. Now, again, it's not yeah. necessary that it be the best or, that <laughs> right. or comfortable or well-appointed or, or thing. Just right. large. 
uh, or least expensive. No, it's the largest hotel. And um, that was Chicago at the time, too. Chicago wanted to have the tallest buildings, the largest hotels, and the yeah. the, the um, biggest hot dog. I think that's basically where they uh, stopped that whole largest thing. In uh, the Dodger dogs, I think, <laughs> the, the, the prize. And, and again, who wants to surpass that? It's not really an area you want, you want to get into. But yeah, I didn't realize it. When I brought up the Conrad Hilton, I was just thinking of grandeur. Uh, but I didn't realize it was the world's uh, largest. And but, but it, it is funny though, that, the yeah. idea of being in the world's largest things, you know, as as a uh, uh, oh, is that uh, Oliver? Our, Actually, that's, that's this Oliver, is, Wayne, Oliver talking in the background. He's chiming in about the maybe he has the world's largest story too, the world's largest bowl of uh, yeah. Oliver, food. tell us about your world's largest anything. No, okay, then don't. You know, because he's yeah, he's he's not on demand. He's no, you, know, he, you pay he, him, you you book him for a yeah. show, and then he's ready. He has more. That's right. But he doesn't just oh, you happen to walk by? Can you be on the show? That doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. And that's cats are great. Dogs who I love would be like, oh, okay, I'll be on the show. <laughs> you know, but a cat's like, no, if you want me, I have to be on at the beginning of the broadcast. You have to give me a date. I need a little preparation. Yeah, and uh, but that was very funny to hear. This is a magical show where again. Our listeners would think so you have a trainer so that you time it out to like a 29 minute mark and yeah. Oliver starts talking and you work, you rehearse that. And is that how it goes? No, apparently not. Yeah. I'm trying to think what are the other largest, like the largest, like w w that you could say uh, that's sort of bragging rights. But then when you stop to think about it, is that really makes sense to be in the largest of what, like the largest airport? I guess. Well, isn't it the world's largest thermometer? <laughs> I mean, again, who would want that for any reason? Uh, even looking at it, I find it uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, I think there is one. I mean, that the whole world's yeah. largest is right. sort of like you say, it doesn't really matter. Cause again, the Conrad Hilton, who's the world's largest rooms that happen to be very nice. OK, but just a large hotel, it doesn't really help you. But it's that yeah, everyone's been big on the world's largest or that. The war well, world in those days, coffee, that so. was great. And yeah. I just think the idea in Brooklyn was, look, in Brooklyn, we got the biggest rest. And that was the, 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 the whole kind of that comes from the time of Brooklyn when it was very it was sort of the middle class heart of America, working yeah. class heart of America. Yeah. And and Brooklyn always got a cheer from the audience. And, yeah. and people in references to Brooklyn was always reference to these are tough guys you guys don't mess with the brooklyn guys and they'll tell it to you like it is and they'll give you the, the well no the bronx people will give you the bronx cheer but yeah. the brooklyn people they 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 don't uh, you know they don't mince words by the way manhattan people don't mince words either it, mincing words is a lot more difficult than people realize yeah so no one really does uh, and i i won't mince words yeah nobody minces them they always yeah. use the expression i'm gonna mince words now yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, and then you wind up with minced words, which people yeah. aren't crazy about. No, they're not very tasty and they're not worthwhile. Just, and yeah. nobody ever does it. It's always, again, uh, yeah, look, I'm they're, not going to mince words. The yeah. good thing about minced words yeah. is, is that they're inoffensive. Nobody yeah. gets offended from minced words. That's no. the idea. No. But Brooklyn people, they don't mince words. No, and Brooklyn, you know. I've always been so proud when I was on Star Search in 1984, even though I was living in Manhattan at the time, I had them say, Ed McMahon said, from Brooklyn, New York, please welcome the challenger, Scott Blakeman. And uh, so I was proud of that. Did people and, burst into cheers? Uh, 
you know, I didn't hear it. it. Was the Aquarius? I think it was at the Aquarius Theater, where Chevy Chase later did his. Yeah, uh, so it was out in L.A. Yeah, yeah. I don't. And think so they're that... not going to be cheering for. But yeah, you know what? Now that I think of it, the Brooklyn cheers would happen in, in television shows that were in New York, right? Yeah, occasionally like there's Ned like Sullivan or the old Tonight Show. Yeah, I mean, you had the transplants, obviously, who uh, you know always like that. But but yeah, out we're in talking... L.A. But but no, yeah. we know. And, but growing up, Scotty, imagine growing up in in Illinois in a suburb of Chicago, Brooklyn was as far away as uh, Bangkok in a sense. Yeah, and yet you would hear about it, it was part of the culture of America. They didn't say. Uh, and and what about people from the west side of Chicago? Yay! No, there wasn't anything like no, that. No, Brooklyn, really? And actually, now it's very different because Brooklyn is a worldwide brand, but not any for any of the reasons it was uh, when I was growing up. It's because of this trendy fashion and all that stuff, which I feel more disconnected from. And uh, the Brooklyn I think about is the same Brooklyn my dad would talk about, these big restaurants. And in his day, all these pictures I'm finding going out to these grand nightclubs, not fancy, but, you know, and this is what middle class people did. The Hamilton House, Latin Quarter, all these places where you went out for dinner, dancing, drinks, a show. Uh, and everyone had that souvenir photo taken, which I've been finding many of those. So it was a whole era that doesn't uh, exist anymore. So no. Brooklyn then is the one that I uh, really remember. And well, I hope that's, perhaps one day we will be able to revive that. Uh, in in actually in Brooklyn, something that that harkens a place that harkens to old Brooklyn. Maybe we call it Brooklyn then. Yeah. Uh, 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 and I, I don't know. Lately, I've been thinking in terms of um, crazy, wild ventures and and uh, in, in doing things that uh, with actual brick and mortar buildings, which is. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, but lately I've been I've been thinking, yeah, what if we obviously you and I cannot recreate uh, Lundy's that that's out of the question. Yeah, and, the building uh, exists, but it's other businesses now and takeout and other restaurants. The but, building exists. Oh, oh absolutely. God. If you go to Sheep's of it, it's still there. And Michael's that we speak of is still there. So we love the fact these artifacts of old Brooklyn are still thriving in, in their own way. And and. Uh, so it's a very exciting time. And this is what we did today. Time travel. It started off yeah. randomly finding a 1988 copy, which, again, only would have been saved if my name was in it. And I don't know why it was saved. Yeah. And only, and, and, and only thing of no, but it is of note. You realize how yeah. long ago 1988 really was. Yeah. And Tommy, uh, this is chilling, but in a good way. What if the reason we said it was inexplicable? What if the reason. Uh, that we, I saved or somebody saved this New York magazine was so 32 years later, you and I could talk about it. Wow. Whew, I get the chillies. Very chills. <laughs> that. And, uh, wow. But so, Nothing but chills. Head to toe yeah, chills. But, but in the best possible way. But and the also, yeah, good yeah, chills. These are good chills. Good chills. And you can wear a slight cardigan if you want, but otherwise <laughs> you'll be fine. So. But they come from the inside. So the cardigan isn't really going to help you with these kind of chills. True, true. And, but it goes away very quickly. <laughs> really, the second the show ends, the chills go away too. But you'll have a nice memory of, of the show. <laughs> a good show. And uh, well, Tommy, what a yeah. wonderful journey we took today. Uh, I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman. I'm Tom Saunders, and we're getting through this. <laughs>